What if? Do you mind if I tell another story? Even if it's a story maybe you've heard before. There once was a little boy who had a really bad temper. His father, of course, was quite concerned about his boy's temper, so one day he gave his boy a bag of nails and told him, Son, every time you lose your temper, I want you to go to this fence post and drive a nail into the back of this fence post. Well, the boy agreed. The first day, he drove 37 nails into that fence post. <laughs> but you know, over the next few weeks, he learned how to control his anger. And gradually, the number of nails he was driving into that fence post every day dwindled down. He discovered it was a whole lot easier to hold his temper than to go out there and drive another nail into that fence post. Finally, the day came when the little boy discovered he didn't lose his temper anymore. His father thought about it and suggested, now every day that you go without losing your temper, you can go and pull one of those nails out of that fence post. Well, it took a long time, the days passed, but gradually, eventually, he pulled every one of those nails out of the fence post. Then the father took the son, his son by the hand and led him to that post. You have done well, my son, he said. But look at this fence post. Look at all of the holes in that fence post. How can you ever pull out all of those holes? That fence will never be the same again. When you say something in anger, it leaves a scar, just like these holes. You can put a knife in a man and draw it back out again, but it won't, it won't matter how many times you say, I'm sorry, the wound is still there. You know, today is our first time together as a church in 2017. As we enter the new year, it's a good time to reflect over our lives, to reflect over the past year and see how the Lord has, has led us, how we have grown and also, of course, as we reflect, we also think of ways that we could do better. Things that we're not proud of, but things that we hope to change, to remedy in this new year. Many of you, like me, probably have a tradition around New Year's Day. We make what we call New Year's resolutions. You ever, you ever made some New Year's resolutions? Oh, I know I have. But... If you're anything like me, about the time you get a couple weeks into January, about like we are right now, you've forgotten or broken most of those New Year's resolutions. You see, it's a whole lot easier to write down a resolution on paper than it is to keep it for 365 days in the year. It takes, well, I guess you could say resolve to do that, doesn't it? Something that I don't know, apparently I don't have enough of. For some of those resolutions. I'll tell you another story. A few weeks of friends came to visit us and, and while they were visiting us they, they said to us we want, we want you to help us to take a picture. Um, we want to take a picture on the railroad tracks. You know the kind of a romantic type picture you know walking down the tracks and you can see the two tracks going side by side off into the horizon. Yeah a pretty romantic picture. It was like okay but you know, there's something about railroad tracks you need to know. Railroad tracks are there for a reason. 
because trains run on these railroad tracks. <laughs> and whatever you do, whatever we do, I don't want to get hit by a train, and neither do you. Do you know how long it takes a train to stop? If the engineer sees you and puts on the brakes full, he'll drive another mile or more before that train stops. There is no way that train is going to stop for you. If you're on the tracks, you better get off the tracks or your history, right? You know, sometimes I think about our lives. I think our lives are somewhat like a freight train. We come to the end of the year and we burst into the new year and we make all of these grand resolutions. We've been going this way, 65 miles an hour, like a freight train. Ah, I'm going to stop doing that in the new year. But you know what? Well, no matter how hard we put on the brakes, it's like there's a hundred freight cars loaded, pushing us right on into the new year in our old habits. And, and no matter how hard we try and stop and go back, those old habits just kind of keep right on pushing. And it's a whole lot harder to keep those resolutions than we thought it was going to be. But what if? That's the title of my sermon today. What if? What if we could change? I'm not saying change is impossible. You look at people all around, and you can see people who have made tremendous changes. What was his name? I shouldn't even mention his name, because then you'll think of something else. But years ago, there was a, a man who was the poster child of Subway. His name was Jared Fogle, right? And then, of course, we know more recently he's gotten into another scandal. But I don't... Not about that scandal, but I'm talking about... He was... How, how wide size 40-something, 50-something. But he ate a subway... He changed. He ate a subway sandwich every day. He also walked two miles into the subway station, subway restaurant in the back. And walking probably had something to do with it. And, and he got down to a size 30, 32 pants. And so, anyway, they put him on the payroll. They made, a, made all the commercials for Subway. Here, you eat Subway, you lose all this weight, right? Well, there's many people who've done that. They've changed their lifestyle. They made a change in their lifestyle and they've made tremendous changes in their lives. What if it was possible? Don't, est don't underestimate the power of trying. Friends, you hold your life in your hands and if you will, you can change. But like the story of the little boy who pounded those nails in the fence post, even if you can change, even if you change and you go, you turn your life in 180 degrees and go back the other direction, you cannot undo what you have already done. No matter how much that little boy changed and never lost his temper ever again in his whole life, if he, even if he could live his whole life without losing his temper, he could never take those holes out of the fence post. He couldn't go back and unsay the unkind words that he'd already said. He couldn't remove the scars in the people's lives that he had affected. This past week, we heard that in the news of the trial and conviction of a mass murderer. We stand aghast at the cold-blooded murder of nine innocent worshipers in a church service. You know, perhaps more shocking even than this is the utter total lack of remorse or sorrow on the part of the perpetrator. And this last week, the jury unanimously sentenced Dylan Roof to death 
and well it should be. Even if he was sorry for his deed, which he is not, it wouldn't bring back the ones he had slain. Nor will his death, as just as it will be, nor will his death for that matter. But it will bring a sense of justice. It'll bring some kind of closure for the families and for really for all of us in, a, in the society. Bring some kind of closure for that flagrant violation of everything that we know to be true and right. In the Bible, we read how God created us as human beings. The same breath of God that breathed in life into you and me, that same breath spoke God's immutable law. God's law is an immutable transcript of his holy character. And God's character is defined by this great universal principle of love. Love to God and love to our fellow man. Yet all of us, you and I, have broken his law. We are guilty by our own choice of violating the commands of Jehovah. Not just once, not just twice. But dare I say that if we honestly review the record of our lives, the jury of our hearts and our conscience would find that we are not only guilty, but hopelessly guilty and worthy of nothing but death. In Romans 3.23, Paul declares that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Now, I don't suppose that anyone here is a murderer, at least not outright. Maybe no one here has ever committed adultery. Perhaps you've never taken something that was not yours. Perhaps you've never even in your life uttered a curse word. I doubt that all of these are true, but perhaps. No, although I, I trust most or all of us here are Christian people. But I challenge you, every one of you, if you think you've never broken God's law, read Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says if you've, if you've ever hated your brother, you're guilty of the sin of murder. If you've looked with lust in your heart, you've committed the sin of adultery. Which one of us here could say, I stand innocent before God? Not one. We could try to plead ignorance of the law, but sadly, I think every one of us has sinned even after coming to a knowledge of God's requirements. Perhaps like the eternity, the, the attorneys of of Dylan Roof, we could try to plead insanity, but no. True, we've been born in weakness. We've been duped many times into sin, but we know enough. We are capable enough of standing trial. And justly were we to stand trial in our current state, we are all condemned to death. By the demands of justice, we have no hope. Not even if we could stop the freight train right now. Even if we could turn our lives around. Even if we could live perfectly for the rest of our days. Even then, we would still be hopeless. We would, our past still condemns us. As the disciples 
of Jesus, after years of listening and, and watching his teaching and his dealing with people, began to realize the depth and magnitude of God's law. They saw a rich young ruler turn away in sorrow from Jesus. And they exclaimed in astonishment, Who then can be saved? 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Like an unstoppable freight train, a fearful time of justice is bearing down upon us at the second coming of Christ. Those who have trusted in their own riches cry out to the mountains and rocks to fall upon them, to hide them from the righteous face of Jesus Christ. In agony they cry out this same question, Who shall be able to stand? In Revelation 6 and verse 17. Who shall be able to stand in that day? Who is able to stand? The answer is found not in ourselves. Not one of us here, in and of ourselves, can be able to stand in that day. But the answer is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul writes, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, you know these verses by heart. I trust every one of you knows these verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. What if? What if someone could take away the guilt of my life. What if that were possible? Could it really be true? Many Christians I know emphasize the importance of the fact that Christ lived a holy life. And in doing so, he set an example for us. And there's nothing wrong with that fact. Christ did live a holy life. Christ set an example for us. But I don't want you to look at that to the point of overlooking this all-important fact. At the heart of the gospel is an incredible, indescribable, perhaps you could say unbelievable, but I don't want to use that word, unbelievable exchange. Jesus offers to us his perfect righteousness, something we don't deserve, something we didn't do anything and we can't do anything to earn, he offers to us his perfect righteousness. And in exchange, he takes upon himself our wretched sinfulness. We receive a clean record. We are set free from condemnation. And Jesus takes the death penalty. 
and receives our death sentence on the cross. Romans 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And friends, there's no what if about it. The Bible says that in Christ we can be justified. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Romans 5, verses 6 through 9. When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There's that word again. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. What hope? What unimaginable joy? I didn't do anything to deserve it. But because God loves you, because he loves me, he has fully provided for my salvation. Friend, my question for you today is this. Will you accept it? Jesus provides salvation for all. John 3.16, God gave his son not because he loved some people in the world. It says, God so loved what? The world. God so loved the world. His love extends to you. Do you live in the world? Yeah. Does his love extend to you? God so loved the world. But does that mean that, did that, does that say that everyone in the world will be saved? Whoever believes. The King James, I like that. Whosoever believeth. Whoever believes in him. Sadly, not all will accept him. God won't force you to accept the pardon. You can keep your death sentence if you want to. But why? Why would you neglect such a great salvation? Yes, we have a part. But our part is so simple. Simply choose. Choose to believe. Choose to accept. And as we accept that salvation that Jesus Christ offers to us, he can work wonderfully. He transforms our lives. Yes, he can stop the freight train. I can't stop a freight train. Not in a million miles. But he can stop that freight train in its tracks. He can turn it back, just like he turned back the waters of the Jordan River. Just like he turned back the waters of the Red Sea. He can turn back the tide of sin and of misery in our lives and work an entire transformation but he can remove even the ugly scars, the holes in the fence post, and work everything to his own glory. All we can do is choose. Choose to accept him. And day by day, choose to continue accepting his sacrifice to, in place of my sinfulness. Friend, I appeal to you today. Do you feel like a freight train of sin? Is about to destroy your life. 
Do you feel like you've walked down a long, dark tunnel and now the only light you see is this signal of the oncoming train? Certain doom and death? Friend, look to Jesus. Yes, you deserve nothing but eternal death, but friend, Jesus has taken your place. He's written pardon in his own blood, and today you can walk free. You can be justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Claim his pardon. Take him at his word. The symbol of baptism is such a precious symbol of the transformation that Jesus offers to you and me. Instead of physical death, we can experience a spiritual death to the old life of selfishness and sin. That old life becomes buried in the waters of baptism. And when you rise again, it will not be to take up that old life, but to take up the new life, to rise and walk in newness of life by the grace of Jesus Christ. Friend, perhaps you've never accepted Jesus in your life before, but today you can hear his voice calling you. Sinner, come home. Come. And if you hear that voice in your heart today, come to the front. Come now before it's too late. Too late. It doesn't matter how long you've wandered away from him. What kind of sin you've committed. Come to Jesus today. Maybe you have accepted him into your heart but you've never been baptized in the biblical way. Come today and make a commitment to experience what Jesus has in store for you. Perhaps you, like me, have given your heart to Jesus a long time ago. You've been baptized, perhaps, and yes, you've known what it is to experience the power of Jesus in your life. But as time has passed, you've slipped back into some of your old habits. You've taken for granted that gift that Jesus offers, and you found yourself once again trying to do it on your own. Friend, the good news of the gospel is not lost on your case. Paul writes in Philippians 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And though, yes, you may have fallen back into sin, claim the promise of Micah 7, verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Though I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. Friend, the good news is Jesus is still in the business of forgiveness. Justification is not a one-shot deal. When Peter asked Jesus, How many times should I forgive my brother? Jesus replied, Till seventy times seven. How many times do you suppose that Jesus can forgive you? Maybe you've been a Christian all your life. You've prayed a thousand times for Jesus to forgive you, and yet you still feel like you fail him. Do you suppose he's run out of forgiveness for you? No, my friend. As long as you hear his voice, there is still time to return to him. Once again, you can be justified. I'm not saying he can't change you. I'm not saying he, you must stay living in sin. I'm saying that no matter how many times you've gone back on your word, 
he'll accept you back again. Don't be discouraged. By his grace, Jesus can make you just as if I'd never sinned. That's the message Jesus taught his disciples in the upper room. When he put aside his robe, took upon him the towel, Even those who knew him best, his closest disciples, misunderstood him. They didn't comprehend his mission. How much are we like his disciples? Yet he stooped down and he washed their feet. In doing this, he showed them, once again, his forgiveness. They had already made a commitment to him. They'd already experienced baptism. They'd already experienced forgiveness. But once again, in the washing of their feet, he should unto 70 times 7. Friends, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost all those who come to God through him. Friend, as we enter into 2017, I want to ask you, every one of you, will you recommit your life to Jesus today? No matter what has happened in the past year, will you accept his forgiveness once again to wipe away your past and allow him to transform your life today. If that is your desire, I want to invite you to stand with me as we pray together. Loving Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you once again, broken, sinful, in need of your forgiveness, in need of a Savior. Lord, you've forgiven us before, and yet we stand here today in need of your forgiveness once again. Lord, it's not a what-if question, because you've guaranteed. Whether or not we feel it, we accept by faith, and we claim your promise that you have wiped away that sin Wipe away our sins, Lord. Give us a clean slate. And Lord, even more than that, we pray that you will stop that freight train of sin that runs through our hearts and our lives. Turn our lives around and help us once again in 2017 to be committed, fully committed to you. To let you make an entire transformation in our lives. Bless us now, and if there is anything in our hearts that we need to make right, Lord, I pray that you will show it to us now. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.